0: Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. This is the third week of Advent, and I would love for you to turn in your Bibles again to Luke chapter one, verses twenty-six through thirty-eight, which is, of course, the passage that, as you already know, is the uh, passage that describes this amazing encounter between the angel Gabriel and the Virgin Mary, who is told that she is going to be the one to bring the Christ child into the world. And what I'd like to share with you from this passage this morning, as you turn there, get ready, is how to find joy in the midst of uncertainty. How to, how to, where's the joy to be found in the midst of uncertainty? Because we all face uncertainty at different times in our lives, don't we? We have uh, health issues that come up. About which we may be uncertain. We have job issues that sometimes come up from time to time, about which your future may be uncertain. Thank you for preaching my message, by the way. And uh, (laughs) no, we'll take that. We shouldn't even joke about that around here, should we? (laughs) We have uh, relationship issues that sometimes come up uh, that create a certain amount of uncertainty, and uh, we feel like we're out of control. We feel like we cannot control what's going on around us. And so we live with this sort of gnawing, stressful sense of uncertainty. And questions arise, don't they? Questions like, so how do we cope with this? Questions come up. How do we how do we keep this uncertainty from getting to us? And is it possible to grow and even find joy in the midst of uncertainty? And we're We're certainly in a time of national, societal uncertainty right now, aren't we? Global uncertainty. We're we're going through a similar uncertainty at the same time. I mean, it's one thing to sort of have these episodes in our lives where people around us are are not going through it, but we're going through this sense of stressful uncertainty at the same time. We have a pandemic. We have... uh, a, 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 a crazy, chaotic presidential election. We continue to have civil unrest around the scourge of racism in our society. And these are all very real issues that affect us, and they affect us now all, all together, and we're saying, what's going to happen next? And we have this sense of lack of control. And I don't think we've had this as a society since 9-11, and when we're all going through the same thing at the same time. So the same questions come up, don't they? So how do we cope with it? How do we keep it from getting to us? And is it possible to grow and even find some joy in the midst of collective uncertainty? And so that's why we're turning to our Bible for answers. Where we always find the Bible's Bible, but the answers. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Now, by way of context... This, of course, is one of the critical opening narratives in the Gospel of Luke that talks about the coming of Jesus. And it, there's a parallel comparison with the passage just before it, where the parents of John the Baptist are told that they are going to bring John the Baptist into the world. And there's a visitation from an angel, a miraculous. Uh, a miraculous expression of the angel there. And so what, what this whole first chapter is saying is it's almost time. It's almost time for the coming of the Savior. And so we begin in verse 26. In the sixth month, and you want to stop by way of context and say in the sixth month of what, correct? In the sixth month, if you just read upstairs, they're talking about Elizabeth's pregnancy, and Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist. So in the sixth month of her pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We just need to kind of stop there. I, I went to seminary the first time in the 70s, the late 70s, and there was this big move on led by a theologian named German theologian named Rudolf Boltmann who 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 was out to what he called demythologize the New Testament. And he, by way of myth he said really the Bible all these spectacular stories of things that don't appeal to our sense of logic are really just myths and it's fine he said that they're myths because they they, they point us toward a greater truth. And so, what what we had in, in the seminary I attended was we had two camps. We had those of us who were conservative traditionalists who said, if the Bible says it, the Bible means what it says. And then you had the other other uh, demythologizers who were going down this road and saying, yeah, you know, I, I, is it really necessary to believe that 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 Jonah was swallowed by a great fish, or is that a myth? around a greater truth, and so there was a lot of tension in the seminary, and so some of us wore T-shirts that said, Bultmann mythed it, <laughs> sorry, uh, you know, and <laughs> yeah, that's. and so there was a lot of tension about and, and one of the subjects that always came up in these, in these conversations was the virgin birth. Come on, they'd say. The virgin birth, a, a woman cannot become pregnant and still be a virgin, and they, they would just really camp on this, and they would camp on the that it wasn't necessary for Jesus Christ to physically rise from the dead. They would say that's more of a spiritual uh, story for us. And, and and these these two these two places is where the demythologizers just love to set up shop. And I'm like, I just remember going, are, are you guys serious? You guys are otherwise professing Christians. And, 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 and you, let me see if I get this right. So you're saying there is a God, and there is a God of this vast, expansive universe, and there is a God who loves us enough or cares about our eternal destiny so much that you're in agreement that the cross of Christ is the central reality of being a Christian, and you're saying that, that the God who did all of these other things is, is, is somehow not capable of doing things the way he wants when he wants them, of parting the Red Sea, of causing fire to come down from heaven, heaven on the, the altar of, of, of Mount Carmel on, on a virgin birth? Are you saying that this God is not capable of that? And they go, well, it's not that he's not capable, he just didn't do it. And they just picked away, picked away, picked away, At the Bible until they had nothing left. And I saw many of those pastors in the early years of their ministry just spin out. If we give up the Bible, the veracity, the truthfulness, the core inerrancy of the Bible, we're giving up the farm. Mary was a virgin in every conceivable sense of the word. And we go on, and as we read this, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Chase did such a fantastic job last week of talking about fearing the presence of an angel. I was also glad that he brought us baby boomers up to speed on what a meme is. You know, I just really appreciate you guys taking us under your wing and and bringing us up to speed on these things. I am such a dinosaur. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. He said all of that without taking a breath. I mean, here's Mary. She's just out being Mary, and boom. It's not... I'm gonna come back tomorrow, get yourself ready for some big stuff I'm gonna tell you. It was like, boom, back up the dump truck, doot, 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 and unload it all in one breath. You, oh Virgin Mary, are going to bear the Christ child into the world. And her response, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. You know, it's okay to ask questions of God, you see this over and over in the scripture. When God calls Moses and he goes, what about my difficulty in speaking? Oh, good question, I have an answer. Jeremiah, what about the fact that I'm like 12? <laughs> Sarah, what about the fact that I'm like 90 and you want me to have a baby? It's okay to ask questions. What about the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus? Who are you, Lord? It's all right to ask questions when God comes in and tells you things, and it's much more a matter of, the, I think, the spirit in which we ask those questions, because in all the questions I saw in my, my getting ready for this morning, in all the questions of the passages, they're never questioning God. Their questions always have to do with themselves. How will this be? I'm a virgin. I I don't understand. I'm not questioning your ability to do it, God. I'm questioning my ability to be the person you're calling me to be. It's okay to ask that question. And listen, those of you who are just on fire for Jesus and following him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and stuff's happening in your private world and you're praying Take a a lesson from my playbook, would you please? Allow the people around you who love you to ask questions. Don't play the big card that says, well, God told me to do it, so that's what we're doing. There's such a risk in that. Allow the people around you to ask questions, whether they be family, close brothers and sisters, ask questions. So are you saying... It doesn't mean they're doubting, it doesn't mean you're doubting. You're asking God reverently for understanding. So on we go here. She asks the question, Well the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And that kind of answers everything right there, doesn't it? Holy Spirit will come on you. can do anything with the Holy Spirit on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and he who was, uh, she who was, was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, as Christian just recently referred, we really need to focus on verse 38. Look at verse 38 and, her, and, and Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant," Mary answered, "may it be to me as you have said." Then the angel left her. Can you believe this response? She must have been thinking about what's going to happen. How am I going to explain any of this to anyone? And as Chase pointed out last week, you know, she she could have been legally stoned for being pregnant. Can you believe The simplicity of her response, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Such a rich response. I'm so grateful that God allowed us to overhear this and be the beneficiaries of Mary's response here. I want you to notice four things quickly. First, notice that she responded from her identity. She said, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Mary's surrendered response reveals a sense of her identity. I am, here's who I am. This, this, isn't, this isn't wiping me out because I know who I am. I am, I am the Lord's servant. It just raises the question for you, doesn't it? Who am I? Would you just allow yourself to ask yourself that question this morning? Who am I? Who, who am I? Are you the Lord's? Are you the Lord's servant? Because what you say next, after you ask yourself the question, who am I, will do more to determine both the quality and the direction of your life than anything else. Because we're all living from our understanding of who we are. And she said, I am. Second, she dealt with the issue of who, who she was, possession. She said, I am the Lord's. I am the Lord's. And she was answering the question, to whom do I belong? Whose am I? And I think that's a great question for us to ask ourselves. To whom do you belong? Who's your owner? My owner is the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that he owns me. The Bible says you're a, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. You belong to God. I belong to God. I am not my own. I've been bought at a price. And she says, I am the Lord's. Why could she answer this? Because she's the Lord's. So to whom do you belong? Do you belong to yourself? Do you do as you wish, whenever you wish, because you belong to yourself? Do you belong to your family? Do you belong to your employer? Or do you say, no, I belong to my God, and everything else falls from that sense of my identity and to whom I belong. And then she also dealt with purpose here. She said, I am the Lord's servant. <laughs> and she's, So it answers the question, what am I doing here? What am I here for? Are we just standing in line waiting for our turn to die, never knowing exactly where we are in the line? Is that what we're doing here? She said, not me, I'm the Lord's servant. I know my purpose. I am the Lord's servant. What am I here for? And I think those of us who have been doing this a while have come to this understanding, that being a servant of God is exponentially better than being a ruler of anything the world has to offer. You know, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, the psalmist said. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, it says, than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And then the proclamation she made at the end, may it be to me as you have said. She, she said those words out loud. Okay, Lord. She didn't say like, bring it. <laughs> she just, <laughs> you don't want to say that to the Lord, right? She just want to say, Lord, in all humility. May it be to me as you have said. Is that something that you dare pray today? Lord, may it be to me as you've said. I'd like for you to notice what happens next. So there's a visit from Elizabeth, and then Mary has a chance to reflect and respond to what happened. And in verse 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And she goes on with this great song. My my soul magnifies. It's called the Magnificat in more formal circles. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior my spirit. You have a spirit. You have a physical self, and you've, you've drawn your physical self into the room. You have an emotional self. Depending on where you are mood-wise, emotionally, you're endeavoring to engage in the emotional atmosphere. That's all good. But in reality, what we're doing here is setting a table for the, of the spirit, for you to enter in a deeper level. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And see, as Mary obeyed the Lord, as she surrendered to the Lord, on the other side of surrender is always joy. She said, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She had horrible circumstances in the flesh. She had, a, she had stuff that she was gonna have to face. She didn't know how she was gonna be able to deal with it. But she said, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My spirit in the midst of these tumultuous circumstances rejoices in God my Savior. And I just want to I just want to tell you that there's always joy on the other side of surrender. There's always joy on the other side of surrender. We see it in the Psalms. We see it, I think, more than anywhere in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, where Jesus said in verse 2, or the Bible says in verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, catch this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Because on the other side of the cross, the cross that Jesus lifted up to the Father and said, Lord, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not your will, but mine be done. In other words, I surrender to your will, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame. On the other side of surrender, beloved, is always joy. So would you like to experience some joy this morning? I mean, in the midst of this uncertainty, and just be able to know how to do that? Well, it's, it's about surrender. We have to surrender the control that is in our heart to make room to receive the peace, the joy that the Lord is clearly offering us. Okay. I'd like to close this morning with a little exercise. Some of us, as we when we were kids, were encouraged to write a letter to Santa. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'd like for us to write a letter to God. Just where you are in your heart. If you were going to write, "Dear God, I surrender." What would go in the blank? and just have a one-paragraph conversation with the Lord that says, Lord, I'd like to surrender. I'd like to surrender my need for control. I'd like to surrender my fear. I'd like to surrender this bitterness that I've been harboring toward that person, this unforgiveness that I I, I just feel so entitled to. Lord, I'd like to surrender this addiction. I know it's not as simple as all that, but could, could we just begin today by just letting me surrender it to you? Because on the other side of that surrender is joy. But as long as we're clinging to it and our hands are full, then we, we, we can't experience the joy of the Spirit. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. You want that joy? Then I just want you to finish that letter this morning. I want you to understand that you are the Lord's as a a believer. You belong to him. That he has purpose for you as a calling on your life. And he's just inviting me this morning to say, Lord, in the midst of this, may it be to me as you have said. Father, we invite you to come now in our closing moments of the service. We get to take a few moments to sing back to you, to think about these things, to ponder them in our hearts, and pray back to you, Lord, um, our answer to your invitation about getting joy in the midst of uncertainty. Holy Spirit, come now. Holy Spirit, come now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm just asking you, is there any part of anything I've said this morning that was from you? And that one thing, Lord, I would just like for you to lay on the heart of the person that you had in mind when you envisioned this day and this time in this place. And I ask that your Holy Spirit will just engage each of us in meaningful ways all of us also Father this. We can move through this critical time that we are in as a nation, as a, as a world, as a people, as a church as a fellowship, as families. All these decisions that we have to make Lord and We just look to you and your wisdom, Lord. We just ask you to come, Holy Spirit, now. And inspire the answer from us that you desire to your question. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Church, shall we stand together, please?